3: I'm Marianne Harris, welcome to The Rockstar and The Nanny, the new podcast from the true crime series, New Idea Investigates. Some listeners may find some of the content in this podcast distressing. Penny Hill had left her home in country Narrabri to start her first job as a nanny, looking after the three small children of Cole Baygent, former Aussie rock star with the band Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. And three days later, she was dead. This is the work of a bad man. A bad man's done this. I never thought I would go... 27 years and still not know. Who would protect a mongrel like that? And the pain hasn't gone away.
1: Please help us. miss
0: And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You sit down mother, and, to mother and tell her mother, mother, what may have happened to her daughter. I feel a bit of a failure because I didn't save her.
1: It's seeing your daughter like that, who's Virtually unrecognisable. It'd be just terrible.
3: You believe she could have known her killer?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Did you kill Penny Hill?
3: Penny Hill, only 20 years old, had been brutally bashed and left for dead against a gatepost in Coolar, Country New South Wales.
2: The tiny northwest town of Coolar is in shock tonight after the brutal bashing of a young woman. 20-year-old Penny Hill was dumped and left for dead by the road outside town.
3: Just three days earlier, the smiling, bubbly Penny had left her home in the small town of Narrabri to start her very first job as a nanny, looking after the three small children of former Aussie rock star Cole Bajant and his wife Barbara. Penny was rushed to hospital and two weeks later died from her injuries. She never regained consciousness and was never able to point the finger... At her killer. The murder of Jeanette and Felix's naive, trusting young daughter led to one of Australia's biggest homicide investigations with hundreds of DNA tests, several prime suspects, two inquests, and multiple rewards. 27 years later, and it is one of Australia's most baffling and heartbreaking cold cases. Her devastated mum, Jeanette, had agreed to do this podcast in the hope of finding that last piece of the puzzle that would finally see justice for her daughter. You never give up hope that one day somebody, you know, will come forward or someone that knows something. It's hard not knowing very hard. And I never thought I would go 27 years and still not know. In the first two episodes, we heard that even though it had been a big weekend in Kula with thousands of visitors for three major sporting events, detectives believed this was no random attack and that Penny had known her killer. Investigators had several prime suspects, including the Black Stump motel cook Bob Lee, a loner and firearms enthusiast with a criminal record, and Ross Kiddo, a professional golfer, who allegedly attacked his girlfriend in a domestic incident the night Penny was bashed. Both vehemently denied any involvement. On the night she was murdered, Penny had two phone calls, one to her mum the second to her boyfriend, Shane Williams. It is her movements after those calls the detectives have painstakingly tried to put together. They still haven't found the scene of the crime.
1: And this is where Penny was found the next morning. No-one can explain what happened in those hours between the motel and here. It was as if
3: she'd fallen from the sky. The soles of her boots were not dirty and there were no drag or shoe marks near her, even though it had been a wet, dewy morning when she was bashed. Detectives were certain that Penny had been attacked somewhere else and then carried to the roadside and dumped like a bag of rubbish.
0: I went to Penny's funeral because I thought if I see anyone there that doesn't belong there from Cooler, any locals, I might recognise them and, you know, be able to put two and two together but I didn't of course and Jeanette took me aside and she asked me a few questions and um, she wanted I guess she, she wanted to know if Penny had suffered and as a mother to a mother the only thing I could say to her was no I don't think she did I think it was whatever I think they hit her very quickly and that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do you sit down mother and, to mother and tell another mother, mother, what may have happened to her daughter. And she wanted to know whether it appeared she'd been sexually assaulted. And I could honestly say no, it didn't appear that way. Her clothes landed all dishevelled. But that was so hard.
3: But it was the 2010 discovery of a hidden compartment in room 14 under the bed where Penny had slept that would give the investigation its biggest breakthrough. Inside the compartment, found during renovations by the new owners of the Black Stump Motel, was the butt of a sawn-off shotgun and a used condom. Detective Sergeant Jason Darcy from the Western Region Unsolved Homicide Squad, who'd been running the cold case since 2008, said the discovery of the hidden compartment led to the second inquest in 2012, and inevitably threw the spotlight onto former rock drummer Colin Bajent and his wife Barbara.
2: We had nothing to do with it. May God strike my children dead. Not a thing to do with it.
3: The box was found in 2010 under the floor of the motel room after new owners of the Black Stunt Motel, Narelle and David, undertook renovations. The secret compartment was a huge find for the investigation. It did beg the question why the first team of investigators hadn't found it when it was so obviously placed right underneath the victim's bed. Narelle and David remember the day they found the box vividly. So Penny's room was room 14. Yep. Yep. What do you remember of, of the of the day that you guys were cleaning out that room and how much of a surprise was it that you found something? And...
0: Oh, yeah, it was just, um, I mean, it was a surprise, but as I said, I always had a feeling there'd be something else and, I don't know, just just weird, just, I don't know, I just felt like they, we were going to hear more about Penny. Uh,
2: my brother was here and we were. Uh, my father was here and we were dismantling the, the bed, which was actually built into the wall and floor. So I was pulling off the... The boards that covered the uh, the base of the bed, and that's that's when I found the stuff under the bed. At first, I didn't take much notice. It was was a, 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 a it was recognisable. Really, was a rifle butt and a and a roll of toilet paper. But uh, the, since then, they found there's other things there. But um, we didn't. I didn't straight away think anything about Penny, So, but Narelle did. So say, oh, we better stop and call the police. And they they came and went through the place again.
3: Was it sort of tucked away in in a, in a cavity behind? Well, the...
2: There's, there's the, the bed was built into the the wall and the floor. It's built in bed.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, there was a drawer that you pulled out uh, under the bed for storage. Yeah, but if you put you can pull that drawer all the way out, and that the cavity under the bed was where the, where the, the stuff was. So, if the police obviously the police didn't um, pull that drawer all the way out, or didn't have a good look around when they first did the, when it first happened back in the nineties. So uh, yeah, don't know how they missed that.
3: Could, could have been quite a a crucial turn in that initial investigation had they. Uh... Well, well
2: it, the bed was there, the bed was there has always been there. So it, this stuff could have been placed there after Penny. Mm. It was still used as a room after Penny. So when we got here, it was it was um, they had been uh, scavenging parts out of the bathroom to to fix other bathrooms and uh, that sort of thing. So we just used it as the storage. Mm. So as far as I know, I think the, the whole, for us, the had a had storage as well. So it hadn't been used for as a room for a long time. But it had been after Penny had been there.
3: Yeah.
2: So there was no telling when that stuff was put there. We, we didn't. It's, I don't know if the police were sorted out, but I, I, it's hard to say, I suppose, isn't it?
0: So straight away, we got on to the police, because I didn't have Jason's number at that time, um, and we couldn't get on to our police wasn't here so someone from Binaway came. He must have got onto Jason and it was like he had to sit and watch the room. We had to stop work obviously mm. and um, I think Jason came the next day or the day after and then and then the forensic bus came and as said, they went over it again.
3: And then as you began then unearthing um, what was your next big find? Was it the, what you found?
1: Well, we just thought we found Found gold, and just hopefully, it'll um, help us solve the case. So we set about looking into those those items.
3: What you know, were that,
1: they? Well, look, there was obviously there was a, a condom, and there was um, some gauze and some, some an insurance card and a, um, a butt of a rifle. We looked down there, and, and that's why we started taking DNA and and doing making a number of inquiries. It's all it was crucial to try and identify who who owned those items, you can take it out of the investigation. They may they may not have anything to do with the case whatsoever. Being a motel this strangers just coming and going so it could have absolutely nothing to do with the case whatsoever but you know, you can't dismiss them until you find out who had the items and who put them there and for what reason you know.
3: What made him a person of interest? Uh,
1: look, just Cole's, there was a number of things with Cole's um, demeanour towards women uh, a number of statements from staff and the way he he acted towards to women uh, his movements on that night and in the morning uh, there was a lot of a lot of circumstantial stuff that gave Cole weight to being a person of interest look um, obviously we interviewed a number of people and looked at information concerning Cole Bajant. And his, and his wife Barbara, and um, we believe that information, uh, that we obtained warranted a second inquest for Bajus to be answered some questions at an inquest. So, and as I said, Colin was a, a person of interest in the case and, and we thought he had a case to answer for.
3: And did they answer those questions the way that?
1: No, look, he, he, he declined to answer, but, um, the information we had there was there's some circumstantial information there that that added weight to Cole being a uh, person of interest in the case, uh, and that's uh, that for that reason, that's why we went for a second inquest to have Cole answer those questions in front of a coroner. So yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, obviously, he didn't he declined it, which is his rights to participate.
3: Um, so you didn't get any answers that you were looking for.
1: From oh him. look, it, yeah remain open and and Cole's still a person of interest in this case, he knows that.
3: At the second inquest into Penny's death, it was claimed that Cole Baygent had a reputation for violence and sexual harassment. On the third day of the inquest, a former employee, Tracy Lansdowne, at the time just a teenager, alleged in court that she was sacked by Barbara two weeks before Penny started after a drunken Colin had touched her inappropriately by putting his hands inside her top and pants. The inquest also heard allegations that Cole had a shocking temper and had physically abused all three of his wives, including Barbara. These allegations against Colin are unproven. One of the biggest difficulties for investigators in the case has been how many times Barbara has changed her story. She originally gave her husband an alibi, but then in 2010, she told detectives that she wasn't sure of his whereabouts on the fateful night and that she'd suspected her husband of being involved in the murder. But then, at the 2012 inquest, Barbara changed her story again and told the court she didn't believe he'd been involved. Counsel assisting the coroner, Warwick Hunt, claimed Barbara had been protecting Baygent since 1991. She denied the allegations and threatened to walk out of the inquest. Meanwhile, Baygent refused to attend. Colin Baygent has always vehemently denied any involvement in Penny's case, and the evidence does nothing to bring those denials into question. When journalist Alex Cullen from the Seven Network's Sunday Night program tried to pin Bajent down, he was clear in his response.
2: We had nothing to do with it. May God strike my children dead. Not a thing to do with it.
1: After two coronial inquests, evidence emerged Bajent had a violent streak. He'd allegedly beaten his ex-wives. Uh, are you protecting your ex-husband? No, i His staff also complained about his behaviour. Some staff gave evidence about being touched and propositions. So, yeah, at that particular motel, or... yeah, at that motel. The night Penny was bashed, Bajant had returned from a hunting trip just after ten pm. Them, but the next morning, his van appeared to be parked in a different spot.
2: We had nothing to do with it. Who killed Penny Hill? I don't know. If I knew, I would tell. I don't know.
3: Another claim that came out of the second inquest was particularly hurtful for Penny's family. Mm. Uh, there was a claim that came out of the inquest that uh, Barbara may well have been the suspect given that she feared Penny may have had an affair with Cole. What do you yeah, say about those
1: claims? Yeah, look, I've heard that one and there's a lot of, that's speculation and we found no evidence that Penny was having an affair or having relations with any person in Cooler. She'd only been
3: there a few days. That's right.
1: Yeah, so the problem is, is that Penny's well, it's not a problem, but it, it's her nature. She's just a a um, a very green uh, country girl who had a personality that that um, was warm and and lo- you know just lo- liked to get on, and talk to everyone, and you know, as people if people thought that was meant something different, they were wrong. You know, she's just a. She was just a a friendly person who, who, who would talk to everyone.
3: But Bajan's wife, Barbara, had nevertheless quickly taken against the young nanny. She'd told the original investigation team that she'd decided to sack Penny because she was too young and not responsible enough to care for her children. As we previously heard, Barbara had also booted Penny out of the family home and into one of the motel rooms after just one day. And she was also heard criticising Penny after she'd been bashed. Madeleine Fian recalled at the second inquest walking into the motel shop and hearing Barbara talking to a woman about how she'd wanted to sack the nanny. What about Barbara, his wife?
1: Yeah, Barbara She, she person of interest just the way, way Barbara behaved or acted in, in the, um, during the investigation, and you know that's probably the best I can say.
3: Mm. After the second inquest returned an open finding, investigators began a mammoth operation to match the DNA that was found in the used condom in the secret compartment to someone who'd been in Kula that weekend. Forensic scientists were able to date the condom to the time when Penny was murdered. Police collected DNA from more than 200 men, including locals, and those that had been visiting Kula for one of the three major sporting events. So that's uh, when you went about collecting all that DNA.
1: Yeah, we went at collecting DNA and 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 trying to get matching profiles.
3: This type of mass testing was often used to find the perpetrator of a crime, but because Kula was such a small town, it was more feasible to do it. Despite the extensive operation, police, however, couldn't match the DNA. That must have been a blow then.
1: In. These sort of cases, yeah, you, you always hit brick walls, but you gotta, you gotta keep moving forward. So, look, we just, we just said about trying to, um, you know, identify uh, who had these items and and that sort of thing. And but um, yeah, it's still, it's still outstanding.
3: Significantly, one man on the police list refused to be tested. Jason Darcy won't reveal who that person is.
1: As I said, it, it, it could have nothing to do with the case whatsoever, mm. but it could it may have. It, we just, mm. It's just as important to eliminate it from the investigation as it is to, uh, you know, in, in bring it into the case.
3: Another major clue was a car that Barbara Bajan claimed she'd seen in the car park of the motel that night. She believed it was a Commodore, but years later, Darcy and his team worked out that the car in question could have been a Datsun Stanza.
1: Look on the night, on the night that um, Penny was assaulted, when Barbara went to bed, there was a car um, seen in the drive, in the going through the the, the car park of the motel, and uh, Barbara Page saw the rear of the car, and, and she described it as similar to a comet, similar to a Commodore. So we we looked into that a fair bit, and we also found that. Uh, Back in those days, the da- the Stanza had a similar sort of back. We started looking into those cars as, or, and other types of cars because we, we just didn't want to... You know, people's interpretations of cars are very different. If, if you're not, you know, at night and it's dark, people might say it's a, you know, a Commodore when it's actually a Ford and that sort of thing. So y- you just can't have blinkers in those sort of matters or any sort of matter. You've you got to you got to cover off on everything. And so we, f- we found that these, these cars had a similar backing to it, which coincidentally Shane had a car that was similar to that. So we went looking for those sort of cars and, and conducted a few uh, examinations of cars and looking for forensic evidence.
3: The Shane that Jason is talking about here is Shane Williams, Penny's boyfriend of just a few weeks. We will leave it there for today. Thank you for your company. I hope you can join me next time as we delve a little further into the unsolved murder of a 20 year old young nanny named Penny Hill.
2: If you have any information at all to contribute to this case, please email us tips at pacificmags.com.au.